DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 444 Football. I'm 444 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my guy, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What's going on, TJ? Chris, what's up, man? Just uh, getting ready for, for the last week of regular season for a lot of people last week that they'll they'll play any uh, fantasy football. We still have have playoffs, but I know a lot of people taper off after this week and, and just kind of a, a weird week of preparation because a lot of the, the stats and analysis that we go through week to week kind of goes out the window because we just have some weird situations with uh, players starting, sitting, resting, being motivated. Absolutely. A lot of different unique situations, teams that have nothing to play for. You're going to see teams resting some of their starters, creating a lot of value situations in DFS. So we're actually going to start off the podcast by talking about some of those situations, some of the teams that are motivated and some of the teams that are resting players and are going to provide some value opportunities in terms of players that will be subbing in for the starters and just in terms of fantasy defenses that are going to be facing some easier competition. So we'll do that before we get into our picks at each position and the bowl calls. But just want to let you guys know that the song that played us in is entitled Me, Myself and I by De La Soul off their 1998 album, Three Feet High and Rising. Again, that's Me, Myself and I, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising uh, off their, uh, from 1998. Really good song. Takes me back almost 20 years old now. So make sure you check that out if you enjoyed the song. But let's get right into it with this week 17 slate of games. We have a full slate on Sunday. So we don't have a primetime slate and we don't have a Saturday slate this week. And I guess we can start off with the teams that are going to be resting some of their key players. And that would be the Los Angeles Rams, first and foremost. They actually could technically... Uh, their seeding could change, but they can't. They're going to have a home game in the first round, no matter what. So they've decided that they don't want to risk anything, and they are going to sit out Jared Goff at quarterback, and they're also going to sit out Todd Gurley at running back. So you know that's going to have some some implications there. Sean Mannion going to start at quarterback for the Rams, and you're going to have Malcolm Brown probably get the brunt of the work at running back. We'll talk more about him later. We also have the Kansas City Chiefs, they are uh, locked into the three seed in the AFC. So Alex Smith's going to take a breather at quarterback. We're going to get to see rookie Patrick Mahomes for the first time. So that should be interesting, although tough test for him in mile high against the Denver Broncos. And then we also will probably see Kareem Hunt. I'm not sure if there's been any official word, but I wouldn't expect to see too much of him, if any at all, especially after the team lost Spencer Ware in the preseason to an injury. I'd expect to see a lot of Sharkandrick West, probably some Akeem Hunt as well in the Chiefs backfield. And then it looks like the Philadelphia Eagles, they've got the number one seed, Quint. So we haven't heard a 
again, officially exactly what they're going to do either, but it's likely that Nick Foles is not going to play and uh, Sudfeld is going to start at quarterback for Philadelphia. Not sure about exactly who else on the Eagles will be resting. So that's something to monitor as the week goes on because that team does have some some good players on offense. So depending on who they're resting and who they're not, it could still be a, a an offense to target in DFS, especially if the workload is concentrated. They've been running out three, four different running backs every game getting touches. So, uh, you know, they have a bunch of about three different tight ends that they tend to work in. So if that gets concentrated, there could be some value there against the Dallas Cowboys team that is also eliminated from playoff contention. And uh, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. They technically don't have anything to play for, but it looks like they're, they said they're going to play most of their players. They, they want to keep whatever they have going We'll see how much uh, Leonard Fournette plays. We have to wait for the news on him as well. But it looks like the Jaguars passing game and, and all those guys are going to be playing. And we have to also see what's going to happen with some of their other players in the receiving core, like Marquise Lee, Aaron Her- Allen Hearns, excuse me, because if those guys are out again, you're going to have a situation where Keelan Cole and uh, D.D. Westbrook and those guys are probably still going to play a full complement of snaps in the Tennessee Titans defense is a defense that is struggling as we saw last week. So the Rams kind of light them up. So again, a lot of these situations, you know, we, we kind of know who's motivated and who's not. We don't know everyone who's not going to play or is going to play yet. It's Wednesday as we're recording this. So make sure you keep up with the rest of that news as the uh, season progresses. And TJ, why don't you take us through some of the teams that are in fact motivated and actually do have playoff seating to play for. Yeah. And be- before we get to that, I just want to uh, mention that a-, a lot of times in week 17, we will see uh, some of these teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention sit some, maybe not some of their big name starters, but try to get a look at some younger guys that uh, get get a lot of work. So definitely pay attention to that too. Not just looking at uh, these teams that are, are sitting because they're uh, they're locked in. Look at some of these teams that are eliminated and see if you see any news uh, up to kickoff. And sometimes you can find a, a really nice cheap uh, GPP play that way. But on the other end of the spectrum, what I tend to do, especially if I'm if I'm still playing cash games in week 17, is try to find as many of these teams that are likely to be playing their starters that we could still project uh, pretty confidently throughout the entire game. So uh, some of these teams that are are definitely going to be in spots where they're highly motivated and uh, looking to win. Uh, Minnesota Vikings play early and they uh, lock up a number two seed and a first round bye with a win. So everybody that you're going to be looking for in the Vikings. They're going to be uh, playing very hard, and they are playing a tough Chicago defense, but Chicago is a team that is obviously eliminated, so hard to say how much Chicago is going to show up. Uh, the Falcons are in, um, but they still have a chance to uh, to get a home game um, uh, with a win. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They're they're in, in with a win, so they need to win to get to a wild card spot this week. They're playing the Carolina Panthers, who... 
are the team that could get a home game uh, with a win. The Panthers can get a home game, and there's still an outside chance that they can get a first-round bye. So Atlanta Falcons need to win. Carolina's already in, but they could improve their seeding. So that should be a pretty competitive game where uh, both teams have something to play for. Ravens are another team uh, winning their end pretty straightforward. They don't need other help. They won't be looking at the scoreboard if they win their end. And then the Titans are another one that you mentioned. Uh, if they win their end, and I, I, that's a, a really interesting game that I'm going to be keeping a, an eye on because, like you said, Jacksonville said they're not going to rest their starters. But if if they if it's a spot where Tennessee gets up a little bit and uh, Jacksonville has a spot to kind of pump the brakes. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen, especially because one of the most likely scenarios is that these two teams face each other uh, in the wild card round. So if Tennessee, even if it just going into the fourth quarter, I would be a little worried that Jacksonville is a team that uh, isn't playing their starters throughout the whole game. A uh, couple other teams that they're not winning they're in, but they still need to win and get some help. Uh, Seahawks, they need to win and get some help. So they're in a spot where maybe by halftime of the third quarter, uh, even if they're winning, they might be uh, slightly less motivated if they see a, a team that they need help from getting blown out. Uh, Saints are another one that they're locked in, but they can clinch the NFC South, which would mean a, a home game if they win and the Panthers lose. Uh, the Patriots, obviously, first round by if uh, they win. The Steelers can actually lock up a first round by. They've already clinched the, the number two seed, but they could lock up a first round by if they win and the Patriots lose. Uh, and then the Bills and the Chargers, they both need to win and get help. So the teams that they're going to be playing against, they're at the very least playing at the same time. So they are going to be scoreboard watching, but it's not like they're a 4 o'clock game and somebody early can ruin their hopes. Uh, they they need to at least start the game very motivated. So uh, Bills and Chargers, keep an eye on them as well. Yeah, so there's a lot to talk about here. I guess we'll go into the Steelers really quick because this is a week where because we have so much value at other positions, you can pretty comfortably afford Le'Veon Bell. So would you have any concern about either the Steelers maybe seeing, you know, somewhere around halftime or something that the Patriots have a big lead and then maybe they take their foot off the gas or simply that they blow out this 0-15 Browns team at home and, you know, maybe cut Bell's workload short because we've seen these last few postseasons, what's really been a thorn in the Steelers side is injuries to either one of their superstars, Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown. They've, they're already down Brown. They actually, Bell only played about 75% of the snaps last week in a blowout against the Texans, still managed to produce a a good fantasy line. But um, any concern there, or would you be fine with rolling Bell out in cash games, even if you knew that maybe he would get pulled a little bit early? Yeah, I think this is the situation probably that I'm I'm most concerned about, more so than teams that that might find out that they're they're not going to make it. Those teams kind of still want to go out and, and win. Uh, playing for pride or whatnot but yeah that's an exact situation that I was considering with uh with Le'Veon is that if there is one player that they're going to rest even yeah like you said if if they get word that Patriots are blowing out the Jets who are playing at the same time uh Le'Veon's a guy that he could approach 500 touches if he played a full game this week or or for the end of the playoffs so it's like if there's one person that needs rest I think it's him and then obviously uh Big Ben as well just because 
uh, we know he he's prone to getting banged up, and those are their their two most most valuable players going into the playoffs. That's the exact situation I'm concerned about. So probably I'm not touching Bell and Cash game just for that outside reason. Ugh, such a bummer, man. I mean, the one week where you can just easily 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 fit for him in it's kind yeah. of like ugh, it's kind of shaky there um so that one and then i think yeah you brought up a good point about the tennessee titans as they go up against the jacksonville jaguars because if the ravens do what they have to do the ravens would be the fifth seed i believe and the titans would be in if they won as the sixth seed and if the titans get in the sixth seed they are going to play the jaguars they're going to travel to jacksonville to play the jaguars and we've seen this before where if a team is going to play each other in back-to-back weeks, the last week of the regular season and first week of the playoffs, a lot of times that team with the with the upper hand, which in this case would be the Jaguars, doesn't really show too much. Even if they're playing their starters or whatnot, or they start the game with their starters, they may not want to show too much. They might run more vanilla schemes and whatnot. So this is kind of a risky situation. Do you think that that, that kind of puts, I know we're going to talk about Derrick Henry in a bit for, for other reasons, but do you think this puts the rest of the Titans offense into GPP consideration because you know people aren't really going to want to attack the Jaguars defense too much I guess outside of Henry but you know could you see any uh I guess would you consider the passing game for the Titans in GPPs given given the circumstance yeah I mean the, the issue with with this offense in general is just that they they haven't been given a lot of scoring opportunities when they have it's been slanted towards the rush but I think the one player that I am going to to be uh, keeping my my eye on and looking at the news especially on the defensive side uh, of the Jacksonville ball is is Delaney Walker because he's been their most consistent pass catcher it's just he hasn't had that that ceiling that you've been looking for because the reasons that I stated but uh, yeah I, I, I really wouldn't be surprised to see some of these Jacksonville guys starting I mean uh, they're, they're not going to come out and say it it looks like but definitely when you have this kind of situation where it's pretty clear why it would benefit Jacksonville to sit some starters that I'm going to take some some shots at some guys. I don't know if you could pinpoint a wide receiver that you want at this point, uh, but Delaney's basically their wide receiver one. Yeah, I agree there. I think uh, it's it's really tough with the Titans passing game as a whole. Maybe you just go with Marcus Mariota as a contrarian option at quarterback and mm-hmm. just try not to pick those guys because it, it is tough but um yeah that's a that's an interesting interesting situation there and yeah i think we covered all the rest of them any team we didn't mention is going to be a team that's just as tj mentioned eliminated from playoff contention so you could see some some weird things go down uh, with some of their usage that might not reflect the earlier in the season but can also kind of look at the snaps over the past game or two even to see if you see some inclination of certain players that might be getting a little more playing time than they had earlier in the season because that would be likely to continue in this week 17. You could also see some teams maybe pulling their quarterback early. I know we have a, a situation with the Giants where you know Eli Manning probably going to start the game, but we do know they want to see Davis Webb. He's been in inactive all 15 games. Perhaps he is able to get in the game and, you know, just around the league, we might see some other some other quarterbacks get pulled a little early or some some high usage players get pulled a little early. So definitely a, a week where you want to be careful in your cash games and try to get as many of these motivated teams and players in your cash lineups as possible just to kind of prevent from from these situations and from this uncertainty from hurting you as much as possible but let's go ahead and get right into the the position by position picks and we'll start as we always do with quarterback tj who do you got quarterback 
Yeah, I mean, we, you just talked about it, looking for uh, some of those safer plays, especially if you're considering a, a cash game option. And uh, Tyrod Taylor, I mentioned the Buffalo Bills still have something to play for. They're going to be scoreboard watching, but uh, Tyrod Taylor's uh, pretty affordable. Like, like you mentioned with Le'Veon, you could pretty much uh, pay up wherever you want this week, but uh, I think probably outside of one or two options, quarterback ownership will probably be very, very flat. So I don't mind uh, paying down a little bit in those situations. 7300 on FanDuel, $5,300 on DraftKings at Miami. Uh, Buffalo's favored by three on the road. Their implied point total is just under 23 points. So uh, not a spot that looks like they're going to be very high scoring, but uh, Miami has allowed the highest red zone touchdown rate through the air this year. And even though Buffalo is traditionally a run team, especially in the red zone, ever since Tyrod Taylor came back uh, after that Nathan Peterman start against the the Chargers, Buffalo actually has the, the seventh highest red zone passing rate in the league. And I think probably that has a little bit more to do with uh, getting – Kelvin Benjamin and Charles Clay healthy, and we've seen we've seen that over the past couple of weeks. Those guys getting red zone targets and just an increase in in usage period. So I, I think we we might see a, a little more passing than uh, you'd expect out of this Buffalo team if you've been uh, paying attention to to recent trends. And another thing that I mentioned, all the teams that they're going to be watching on the scoreboard are playing at the same time as them. So again, you don't have to worry about some team uh, winning in, in the 1 p.m. game and and them already being eliminated when their game starts. So uh, Tyra Taylor's pretty affordable in a, in a really good spot, and he does project as a top two value on both sites this week on 4 for 4 Yeah, I like the Tyrod in a sneaky spot. Put up a good number against the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. I'm going to stay in the AFC East with my quarterback, and that is Tom Brady at home against the New York Jets, who are giving up the second most schedule-adjusted fantasy points to quarterbacks in the National Football League. We know that implied point total for a team correlates well with their quarterback's fantasy production and the Patriots' implied total was 29.75 as we record this on Wednesday evening, which is the highest on the slate for this week. So that's what's kind of got me on Brady over some of these other options. You know, Cam Newton in a pretty good spot, Russell Wilson and whatnot. But I really like Brady this week to torch this Jets defense that has had a lot of trouble defending the pass, had a lot of trouble defending top wide receivers. I think Brandon Cooks can get reinvolved this week into in the game plan. And you're actually getting a nice little cushion with Brady because his DraftKings price of 6,800 is the lowest of the season. And on FanDuel, he's 8,500 and that's tied for a season low as well. So Tom Brady at a very affordable price tag in a situation against the bad pass defense at home where they can lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I, I like Brady in in this spot just for for those reasons and I think he's going to crush it this week I guess there could be a little concern if they blow the Jets out as well if they start going easy on them too but um you know it's it's kind of tough to, to to go away from Brady in this spot and I think if they are blowing him out he'll have a lot to do with it yeah that's exactly what I was going to say if they get to the point where they're thinking about resting their starters in the fourth quarter that means uh Brady's probably already had a huge game and and when teams have that that bye week locked up I think there's something to say especially for a coach like Belichick he he kind of wants to keep that uh machine running as smoothly as possible so I don't I definitely don't think this is a game where New England comes out flat or something they want to be hitting on all cylinders uh going into that bye week so if 
I am paying up. That's that's where I'm going as well. Uh, we, we talked about at the top a lot of free squares, and this week uh, where a lot of those show up is at running back. Running back. And, and you mentioned briefly Derrick Henry at the top, and that's uh, the guy that I'm going to be looking to this week uh, as one of my free squares, or uh, relatively cheap at least. He's 5800 on FanDuel, which is uh, really cheap. 5500 on DraftKings, which isn't really a, a free square, but it's still pretty affordable for a running back that's probably going to see the majority of the workload uh, as a home favorite. Tennessee did open as five-point favorites. I think that was with the assumption that Jacksonville was going to uh, play their starters or uh, rest their starters. I'm sorry, but it's got a lot of publicity that they're going to play their starters. Now Tennessee's only favored by three and a half, but we've already talked about it quite a few times. We're not sure uh, if Jacksonville really needs to play their their starters the entire game. And then DeMarco Murray says he's going to try to play on a, a torn MCL. I just don't see that happening in a game that, that Tennessee has to win. Even if he uh, does play, I think he's going to be quite limited and uh, as I mentioned when we're talking about Delaney Walker, Tennessee is they're they're a run first team, top ten in run rate in uh, neutral game script, second highest rushing rate inside the red zone, and Jacksonville uh, is a run filter, top ten in adjusted fantasy points to every skill position except for running back. So uh, I like Derrick Henry in a spot that that again I, th- I think Tennessee is going to win going away here. Yeah, and that that Vegas line would seem to imply that the oddsmakers still expect Jacksonville to rest their starters because I think if mm-hmm. if this game was just a normal game Jacksonville would be favored even though they are on the road Jacksonville 10 and 5 on a season Tennessee 8 and 7 kind of slumping a little bit lately so uh, I I think you know there's some somebody in the know probably expects uh Jacksonville not to just mm-hmm. go all out uh for me I'm going with Malcolm Brown another guy we talked about on the top and he on FanDuel he's a true free scare square at 4,500 on DraftKings. He's 3,900 and he is the Rams running back that will be starting in place of Todd Gurley. And we know that no one's like Gurley this year, but that Rams backfield still fourth most PPR points in the league this season. And when you're getting a player that cheap, that has 20 touch upside. Um, that's, that's a situation that I want to attack. San Francisco has been very good against the run as of late, but still ranks 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They've been giving up a ton of receiving production. So, you know, hopefully the Rams continue to, to use Brown in that same capacity that they were using Gurley in, but. I would think that Brown is going to get a, a pretty pretty strong workload, and you know we're going to see a situation where uh, you know he's going to have some major upside considering his his price. It's not always comfortable. It's kind of a similar situation to Antonio Gates last week, where you don't really have anything for this season to hang your hat on, but you know just that opportunity can lead to a lot of good things. And we saw it last week and uh, against this 49ers team where the Rams, you know, if, if they're going to play this game, you know, San Francisco is probably going to put up some points too. So you're probably going to see, you know, Sean Mannion here, probably going to get some dump offs to, to Brown at the very least. And, you know, for a running back in there playing, playing the whole game at 4,500 on FanDuel, 3,900 on DraftKings, that, that's a situation again, where you just want to attack volume is the most important thing for uh, that's correlated to running back fantasy production. So Malcolm Brown, 86th percentile agility score per player profiler.com. Um, that's pretty much his only standout metric. Five, five foot 11, 224 pounder, undrafted 
out of Texas. We're going to see what he can do this weekend. But um, again, you know, guy that you can just kind of plug in in your cash games if you're trying to to, to get up to somebody um, like Le'Veon Bell or a couple of those stud wide receivers um, in that high end price range who are going to be in situations where their teams need them to come through. You can plug in Brown, you can plug in somebody like Henry and you can get a really cheap uh, running back core and kind of focus a little more on the other positions this week. So um, Malcolm Brown is who I'm going with at running back this week. Yeah, like you said, that that's just one of those week 17 plays where you're just you're using that free square. You don't ignore it. You just you, you're not going to find a lot of metrics that point to some of these guys like Malcolm Brown, like you said. But uh, you, you take that free spot and you you end up being able to pay up wherever you want want really in week 17. Wide receiver. Uh, moving on to wide receivers, uh, both doing one FanDuel and one DraftKings wide receiver. On FanDuel, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is priced as the wide receiver 10 compared to the wide receiver uh, 5 on DraftKings. So priced down a little bit at 7300 on FanDuel versus Cleveland. We mentioned that uh, Pittsburgh is going to still be motivated in this game with a chance to uh, jump New England uh, to get to that one seed. And and again, I think if, if anybody does end up sitting, it's definitely it's going to be late. Le'Veon Bell first. Uh, 23% target shares what Juju saw last week with Antonio Brown out. He let all position players in snaps, played 82% of the snaps, and uh, only four teams have allowed a higher passing touchdown rate in the red zone this year than Cleveland. So just because he's he's going to be their primary pass catcher in a game that the that Steelers are still going to be trying to win, uh, price down, and, and uh, they're going to want Juju to be ready for the playoffs in, in case there's a a outside chance Antonio misses the divisional round. So I, I want some of Juju over there. And then moving over to DraftKings, uh, Michael Thomas, 7,700 against Tampa Bay. This is a spot where I like going back to Thomas just because uh, he came up late on the, the injury report last week and, and he was going to be the shot going into last week. Uh, this week, he I think he's going to be quite under because of that injury last week, uh, but they're playing the Tampa Bay defense that is one of the worst secondaries in the league. And and as I mentioned on this podcast last week, Michael Thomas has been one of the most consistent wide receivers uh, in the league. Tampa Bay is the, the only team to allow over 200 catches and 2,700 yards to the position this year. Uh, even on that that hamstring, Michael Thomas played 65% of the snaps last week, and he saw a target rate that was pretty much on par with what he's seen all season. He saw, 15, uh, saw a target on 15% of his snaps last week compared to 17% over the course of the season. So uh, a team that's been trending towards the pass in the red zone against a, a defense that's really been struggling in the secondary, I'm, I'm going to take that risk, especially in some larger field GP on Thomas in a spot where usually he'd be the chalk again. Yeah, that's a good call. There's, I think with whatever happened last week with his injury and then just there being probably four different stud wide receivers that you can make a case for. And then Juju um, as well. I, I think Thomas's ownership will be pretty, pretty modest this weekend. He's one of the few saints that in his career, historically, he's actually performed better on the road, has eight touchdowns and 14 career road games versus six and 16 career home games, and actually has uh, six more targets in his career on the road, despite playing uh, two more home game. So he's a guy who they, they look to a lot more when they're, when they're not in the dome and they really need uh, to, to move the ball through the air. So I like that. Um, for me, I'm going with Julio Jones on FanDuel at 8,400 
And this is just a matter of targeting the Carolina secondary. The Carolina has just been giving up absurd numbers to wide receivers over these past few weeks. Last week, they gave up six catches for 107 yards to Mike Evans. The week before that, they gave up 557 and one to Devontae Adams. Uh, the week before that, they gave up six for 105 and one to Adam Thielen. Also gave up six catches to Stephon Diggs in that game. The week before that, Michael Thomas went for five catches, 70 yards and a touchdown. The week before that, Robbie Anderson, six catches, 146 yards, two touchdowns, and Jermaine Curse seven for 105 and a touchdown in the same game. Jarvis Landry, five for 42 and a touchdown the week before that. And you had Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills both catch at least five for at least 65 yards. So, and, uh, and then Julio the week before that went for six catches and 118 yards. And we know he dropped about a, I think it was a 40, 50 yard touchdown in that game. So, Carolina has offered pretty much zero resistance to wide receivers, particularly opposing number one wide receivers over the second half of the season. And Julio Jones has the highest score on DraftKings and FanDuel this year when he erupted against Tampa Bay earlier in the year. So uh, I love the upside and I love the upside that Carolina has been allowing. They rank 30th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, which means they're giving up the third most schedule adjusted points in the league to the position. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a blow up spot for Julio here yet again in a in a must win game for the Falcons. We saw them force feed Julio last week in a must win game. And even though the Saints had Marshawn Lattimore out there playing well, Julio was still able to rack up 149 yards receiving. So I expect a similar outcome this week. And on DraftKings, T.Y. Hilton at 5,900. The Houston Texans rank 32nd. They're dead last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Two wide receivers. T.Y. is going to be at home. This is where you want to play T.Y. generally. At home is where he, because he's such a, a fast guy and, you know, running on that, that, uh, that fast track indoors tends to help him throughout his career. He averages 14.6 yards per catch outdoors, but 16.6 indoors. His TDs per game outdoors, 0.25. Indoors, 0.46 per game. So T.Y. Hilton's numbers jump a lot when he's indoors in Indianapolis or in another uh, indoor stadium. And the Houston Texans, seven 100-yard games allowed two wide receivers this season. So T.Y. Hilton is a guy who came on strong last week, with a season high 12 targets, had a 100-yard game. I think as the season winds down, I know the Colts are eliminated, don't have anything to play for, but I think they are trying to get T.Y. the ball, kind of pad his numbers. He's still about 50 yards short of a 1,000-yard season. And these are the kind of matchups that he's been tearing up this year. It's been it's been at home and it's been against these bad defenses. And this is another spot where in Week 17, uh, T.Y., uh, has that favorable situation, so I'm going back to him. Yeah, Julio is one of those expensive guys that I'm I'm trying to use those free that free square to get to, and then uh, Houston highest touchdown rate in the league allowed through the air by uh, quite a wide margin. So even if you're worried about uh, Hilton's volume, we know he's going to be one of those splash play guys, and then Houston's one of the teams to target there. Titan and. 
at tight end this week, uh, it's it's not often a, a Gronk week for me, but this week with so many free squares, it's it's quite easy to to get to Gronk. Uh, Eighty five hundred on Fanduel, seven thousand dollars on DraftKings, and there there just really aren't any other expensive tight ends. Kelsey and Ertz are are likely to be resting, and uh, Gronk's pretty much head and shoulders over the field this week, which he really hasn't been all year. Uh, that's why I've, I've always been kind of hesitant to pay all the way up for him. But I think this is the week that. It, if you're ever going to do it, it's a week where the the Patriots need to win to get in and or to to lock up that one seed, and they they have the highest implied point total by a, a pretty high margin against a Jets team that's allowed uh, the second most touchdowns to the position this year and rank 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, tight ends. And right before we hopped on the podcast, I saw Evan Silva tweet out that uh, Gronk earns a two million dollar bonus if he either gets 11 more catches or gains 116 yards. So uh, people might look at that two different ways. I Gronk could be in, in his boy's Brady's ear and telling him that he's going to uh, take him to, to the Kentucky Derby on the private jet if he gets him <laughs> that bonus. Or uh, or it could be one of the – some people think that the uh, front office is, is often uh, f- make sure that they don't get to that bonus. So so take from that what you will, but it's definitely something worth noting. I, I don't think that uh, – I don't think that the Patriots front office is telling Tom Brady anything about who to throw the ball to. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> That's why I like that one. Like, I, I, like if I was Tom Brady, who are you – more scared of like the Patriots front office or Gronk I'd be more scared of Gronk (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no that's a that's a good uh that's a that's good stuff from Evan Silva shout out to Evan Silva always on it every week with his matchups column um, but yeah, man, I, I like this whole Patriots passing game this week. I think, uh, the Jets just have been struggling tremendously to defend the pass and they've been better against the run. So it's kind of a funnel situation where the last few weeks, the Patriots have relied a lot more on the run because they've had some of their key pieces out. James White missed last game. They've had Hogan out for a while. So they've been relying a little bit more on the run, not as much downfield passing with the old line banged up as well, but I think they can uh, get it working this week week for me i'm going with eric ebron at tight end 4500 on DraftKings, 5600 on fanduel he leads detroit in target share over the past three weeks at 23 percent. he's got at least four catches in six straight games which is pretty good for a tight end on a position where we don't often see that much consistency four catches isn't a ton but we we've always seen that you know at tight end even these stud tight ends can have these games where in a good spot, they can only catch one or two balls. So um, four catches in six straight, something to hang your hat on. Green Bay, 23rd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position. So not an imposing matchup at all. And Matthew Stafford has been targeting Ebron a ton. He seems to have kind of turned a corner a little bit. Earlier in the year, he was struggling. Um, I remember he got called out by Anquan Bolden, who was on the team last year. And it seems just in the second half of the season that Ebron has been a lot more involved in the offense on a weekly basis. And this is another one of these uh, good matchups on paper that he has been successful in this season. So anytime you have a player where you can kind of look at his game logs and look at the matchups that are good and he's put up pretty good games in those in those games and maybe some of his quieter games have been in the tougher matchups, that's always a pretty good situation because that means, at least we hope, that the player has you know a, a level of predictability that we can hang our hats on. And Ebron has been that guy. So going back to him this week in week 17, 
against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that's a guy that I liked a lot last week. Only only two tight ends with more, more targets over the last month than Ebron. So uh, definitely a really nice play in Week 17. Uh, at kicker. Kicker. Nick Rose is is the best uh, uh, value. At least he's he's quite affordable compared to th- some of the other kickers that are priced up in favorable situations. Uh, Nick Rose is only forty six hundred versus the Raiders. Uh, Chargers need to win this game. They're favored by eight points. They have a, a twenty five point implied point total. Uh, almost forty one percent of drives against the Raiders have ended in this in a score. That's the highest in the league, and twenty. 20- 0.6% of those have ended in a field goal, which is the second highest in the league. So teams moving the ball on the Raiders and kicking lots of field goals against them. Yeah, man. And the, the one the one concern with Rose is that we know what we're due for, right? We know we're due for the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be, they're going to need a, they need a win to get in the playoffs and they need some help. And mm-hmm. it's going to come down to the needing a field goal to win the game and go to the playoffs. And we, we know they're going <laughs> to yeah. lose it. So you just got to hope that Rose gets whatever points he needs to score before that game winning kick. Cause if it comes it's down to that. <laughs> It's it's a wrap. It's a wrap for him. Um, but yeah, that's just the way. That's the way it goes for the Chargers. You're you're right there. Yeah, man. I mean, what is this like? There is this the fourth kicker on the year? I want to say they had Young Way Koo. They had uh, Koontz. Mm-hmm. They had Nick Novak. Yeah, this is their fourth kicker. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, I agree. Uh, great price for him at home against the Oakland Raiders, a defense that has been struggling. Chargers should get some kicking opportunities there. Defense for defense. I'm going with the Denver. Broncos, 2,900 on DraftKings, 4,500 on FanDuel. Been a disappointing season for them, but they are favored at home in this game by three and a half as we record this over the resting Kansas City Chiefs, whose implied total is under 18 points. This is going to be the first start for Patrick Mahomes. It's on the road. It's in mile high. It's just a situation where with with some backups playing and a quarterback making his first start going against this defense that has underachieved like crazy, but has an opportunity to end the season on the right foot, still has some good players in the passing game, still has good cornerbacks, still has still has a, a couple good pass rushers. I think that, you know, as much as Denver has been underachieving, given the price tag, given the Vegas line, and given who is actually playing for Kansas City, I think this is a spot to fire up Denver, at least in cash games and take the discount. And then in tournaments, there's obviously just a plethora of options when you count the the, the good defenses in good spots and then the, the bad defenses in good spots because they're playing backups and whatnot there's just a ton of options that you can go with in tournaments but in cash games I kind of like the Broncos just kind of as that solid defense in a in a pretty good spot this week yeah and that's actually a a really good uh, note to end on for our our player calls because so many people in this week 17 they they see these backups playing and and what that does it gives us a huge pool of uh, cheap viable plays that lets us get to some of these studs but people should not overlook the the other aspect of it that you're going to have another team that might be out of the playoffs that's playing for pride that's playing against backups so targeting either of those defenses or or maybe don't forget the that defense is sitting a lot of starters too and maybe targeting some of the uh the offensive players on those opposite teams yeah most definitely so with that being said let's get into our bowl calls of the week tj why don't you start us off with a player bowl call yeah melvin gordon's in a boot uh high ankle sprain it says he's a game time decision so uh this is assuming that he doesn't make it onto the the field but if he doesn't uh my bold call is that 
as eight-point favorites. Brandon Oliver scores twenty-five, at least twenty-five DraftKings points. Uh, he's good, good at catching the ball out of the backfield when he has started. We've seen him get uh, quite a big workload, and even if Austin Eckler plays, uh, Anthony Lynn said last night in, in an interview that he would be bit backing up Brandon Oliver because he's still likely to be wearing that club on his hand. Interesting, man. Yeah, Brandon Oliver actually has had a couple big games. Uh, I believe it was maybe twenty fifteen or so, um, but he actually has had some big games uh, for the Chargers. So I like that. And I'll go for my player bowl call. I'll say that Josh Dotson is going to be a top five wide out this week. He actually got targeted 13 times last week against the Broncos, only caught two of them because of course that's the no fly zone, but the two he caught went for 61 yards and a touchdown. Since week 10, Dotson, one third of the air yards for the Washington Redskins. That's per airyards.com. So getting a a ton of that that high upside air yardage that we're looking for. And you know, this is week 17. And as you mentioned, TJ, there's going to be a bunch of players that are subbing in for, for starters and whatnot, and a bunch of guys getting more playing time than we're used to. But at the end of the day, now you have to kind of look at it almost like preseason DFS and mm-hmm. kind of target the guys with the talent in these situations, because there are going to be uh, so many of these cheap guys to choose from. So, you know, Dotson is a guy with a ton of talent, still priced pretty cheaply, getting the air yards. Great matchup against the Giants. They rank 31st in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Two wide receivers. No idea who they're going to be trotting out at cornerback. Eli Apple suspended for week 17 after a tumultuous season. Janoris Jenkins already on the injured reserve. Langdon Collins is out at safety as well. So this secondary is just decimated. And I think this is going to be a situation where they're going to try to to showcase Dotson and get him some love out there. So uh, I'm calling Josh Dotson top five wide out uh, this week. Uh, I, I like that against, I like pretty much anything against that defense right now. So I, I like that call a lot. Um, moving on to our team bold calls. We only have one game with an over under of at least 50 points, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that the, the Detroit Green Bay game goes over 50 points. Both of these past defenses have really struggled this year, uh, especially uh, down down the stretch lately. Uh, both teams are limited from playoff contention. It's just one of those spots where you're, you're going to have uh, people playing for pride. You're going to have people playing for, for roster spots. Brett Hundley's probably going to be uh, hopefully playing for to, to showcase his his last chance before Aaron Rodgers comes back next year. And uh, I, I like Detroit's uh, passing game to really uh, put it on big against this this Green Bay secondary. So I think this is going to be uh, one of the sneaky high games with with uh, not really any games expected to go high this week. I like it, man. That's that's one of, that's a sneaky game because, yeah, it's, it's kind of two teams that really aren't playing for anything, but also two teams with bad defenses. So mm-hmm. you could, you could kind of see them just – kind of freestyle it, throw it around a little bit. Um sure Jamal Williams will get some work, but you know, we have quarter we have one good passing game, another good team that can, you know, has a quarterback that's at least mobile. So I think you could see some some, some fireworks in that game. I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and my bold call is that Baltimore is going to get its fourth shutout of the season. That would tie the 2000 Baltimore Ravens as one of only 3 teams post-merger to have four shutouts in the same season. They are hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think last week, the Bengals, they I think that was kind of their send-off for Marvin Lewis 
at home. They they pulled the upset of the Detroit Lions, played a really strong game all around in that game and got the win. And I think this week now, going on the road, coming off that high of uh, of Marvin Lewis's last home game, I think they're going to go into Baltimore to a team that really needs um really needs this win to get into the playoffs if they if they win they're in and I think that Baltimore will shut Cincinnati out for the second time uh this season yeah I I like that I didn't know about uh tying that record there so that's one that uh definitely playing for that pride and again they need they need the W so they're gonna be playing really hard and actually I gotta I gotta I'll give you guys a bonus bold call for players since it's week 17 and and whatnot. If if this Pittsburgh game kind of gets out of hand and Pittsburgh gets up big, I mean, you know, look out for Josh Gordon, man, because he's kind of been quiet mm. this year. But you know, if this if this is kind of a situation where maybe you see Pittsburgh get up the way they did on Houston on Christmas, we saw what DeAndre Hopkins just did. It was like all mm. on one drive where he just went nuts. And you could, I think you could see a similar situation where Pittsburgh's been giving up a ton of big plays down the field. That's kind of been their kryptonite this season. So I think you could, you might see some Josh Gordon fireworks, you know, kind of under the radar, maybe, maybe in garbage time, but uh, fantasy points are fantasy points. So uh, another bold call, we'll add Josh, uh, Josh Gordon. So we have two Joshes, Josh Dotson and Josh Gordon, that I think will finish as top five wide receivers in this week 17. I like it a lot. But that about does it for us, man. It's uh, it's week 17. We will be back for the playoffs, so um, don't worry. We, we're not we're not leaving for the season. We will be back through each of the three rounds of the playoffs, breaking down those slates for you guys and, and talking about you know each game. Probably get them get to go a little more in depth than we usually do on these weekly podcasts with the full slates. So uh, be sure to tune in for that. Be sure to subscribe. Um, if you like the podcast, leave us a rate and review on iTunes. You can follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Any last words, TJ? Yeah, like you said, we're, we're coming back for the playoffs, but uh, I also know that a lot of people probably won't be playing uh, DFS beyond week 17. So uh, shout out to to all the listeners. Uh, shout out to all the subscribers. The whole industry has always been really supportive of us, and, and we've had a, a really good year. It's been awesome to see. Uh, getting those screenshots on Twitter, seeing people have those big weeks uh, because of the pod. I think we had a couple of listeners make uh, even make live finals this year. Uh, so it's, it's been really fun. So just shout out and thank you to everybody that's uh, supported us this season. Most definitely. I echo everything TJ said. Thank you to all you guys that tune in each and every week. Uh, really appreciate it. You guys make this possible. And uh, if this is your last pod of the season, we will be back next year. So be sure to check us out. And uh yeah man, let's uh let's get this money. Let's keep getting this money. Glory, glory, hallelujah, glory for plugs one and two. But that glory's been denied by cassettes and gooky eyes. People think they diss my person by stating I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point at Q tip and he states black is black. Mirror, mirror on the wall, shovel chestnuts in my path. So I don't get an aftermath But if I do, I'll calmly punch them in